I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the last episode of this season of The Queen Pod. <gasps> We're going to do a lovely episode, like a fan special with a few surprises and things. But before we get into all of that, let me introduce my wonderful uh, Queen cohorts. She used to be a woman with a hot dog stand. It's comedian Suze Kempner. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hey. Are you, <laughs> you're happy that you're over that whole hot dog phase of your... Yeah, right, it was right. a it the the bottom fell out of the market. Exactly, uh, sure. And you know, here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happening all yeah. over the world. He used to yeah. be a man with a stick in his hand. It's Queen documentarian Simon Lupton. <laughs> Good evening, afternoon, morning. Whenever you're listening to this, lovely stuff. Where have you put your stick? <laughs> it's just down here. Okay, <laughs> ready to beat anyone with that needs to be beat. Oh, <laughs> it ain't no time to figure wrong from right. It's comedian John Robbins. Hello, John. How are you, mate? Hello to you all. Hello, everyone. <laughs> it's lovely to hey. see you, man. Are you keeping well? Yeah. Yes. Relatively very speaking. little. I've got very little on. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness this is coming to a hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and hoop diddy diddy hoop diddy row that's me your host <laughs> come on name the song Headlong. Uh, well yeah, done yeah. it's that kind of stuff that you guys listening out there get to look forward to for this whole podcast this is <laughs> going to be all about you guys we've gotten some lovely stuff back from all of you uh, and we're going to read some of your letters answer some of your questions uh, we've got a couple of seven degrees awry all kinds of caper and maybe even a, a surprise or two um, so, how's everyone been? Good? Yeah, real yes. good, thanks. We can't say how we've really been, because that would be a really big downer for all our listeners who are, who are really, actually, it seems, um, enjoying what we're doing in the current climate, which brings me <laughs> neatly to fan letter one. Um, so, as you can see over the course of this entire series, my ability to do uh, segues has really not improved. Um, so this is a letter from Dana from Melbourne. And she says, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Dana. It's D-A-N-N-A. Um, my sister's called Dana. So if it is Dana, then hello, Dana. Um, Hi, gang. I just wanted to drop a line to express my serious 
sincerest gratitude to you all. I've been stuck solo in the world's longest lockdown since March and had almost lost all hope as there's currently no end in sight to our insanely isolating restrictions. But along came Queen Pod. Anticipating the arrival of each episode makes the passing weeks now fly by and listening to the joy it brings you all feels like spending time with dear friends every time. After each episode, I crank the record player and enjoy each track with a new appreciation of each solo vocal arrangement and beloved nuance discussed. That is what we're all about. I'm so <laughs> happy that that's what you do, uh, Dana. Um, uh, she says, it's comforting knowing that though these are crazy times, one is never truly alone as long as Queen exists and can be listened to, loved and shared. So from the bottom of my anxious and isolated heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. Seriously, big love to you all. I hope you're all well. Long live the four cornerstones of rock. Uh, and yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah bless yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. She is, uh, I mean, I, yeah. I, not necessarily Queen related, but something that uh, Dana touched on. I think, like, I'm not in a lockdown at the minute, but obviously have been and may may well be. And so I think it's quite easy to get, well, I certainly get quite down about, like, not really doing much or not being able to do much, but from that letter if you just get through the day mm. um especially if she's in a lockdown in australia which is pretty harsh then you've kind of that's a victory mm. um so um don't be too hard on yourselves folks if you're listening from difficult circumstances because just getting through a day at the minute can be the the means and the end and the achievement in itself and if queen and this podcast and other podcasts play a part in that then then that's fantastic and we're super humbled to hear that um it's helping yeah yeah well said, John. Uh, that's lovely i think you're right we've touched on this through the um through the podcast but yeah queen help us get through the hard times you know that's uh, mm-hmm. why we're all here i think it's a lovely thing um so i think we should have a fan question what do you think producer giles yeah <laughs> <laughs> a nice succinct quick fan club question uh, yeah, it's about comedy, this one. Given that lots of Queen naysayers perceive the band as po-faced or arrogant, uh, Simon Leach has always been struck by how many links Queen have to comedians and across various generations, too. The Beatles had their links to Python, Led Zepp had links to Pete and Dud, but Simon says that he can't think of a band that attracts funny people quite as much as Freddie and the Boys. Um, Queen and comedy seem to mix really well, despite the band's appearance as quite arch or haughty. Why is this? Um, well, I I don't think I think that I think Queen have have maybe a reputation in some circles as being haughty, but that's because of their relationship with the press. And I think, especially during the late seventies, if the press starts slagging you off, then when you do interact with them, you're going to be quite defensive mm. and quite <laughs> aloof. So I I don't I, I I can see that there is a slight reputation, but I think that reputation is one that comes from the, the music press. I think Queen um, are the opposite of that in many ways. That I think they're very, they don't take themselves too seriously. They take the music very seriously. But especially if you look at their videos and their live performance, there's so many moments of fun in there. Hmm. They're never too proud to look silly. Um, personally, I think the reason that they link well with comedy and there are so many sort of reference points is firstly their imagery is so recognizable 
so it's easy to parody. You can't parody something if you not everyone's heard of it. Uh, you know, they've got the best-selling album in the history of the UK. Mm. So if you want a reference point, Queen are a great band to go to. Um, but I think also Queen are about crowds and comedy is about crowds. And if if you want to make someone laugh, you need as many people in the room as possible to get what you're talking about. Everyone knows Queen. Even people mm. who don't like Queen know all of their greatest hits. Yeah. You couldn't say that about uh, the Rolling Stones. You could, to an extent, say that about the Beatles, but I don't think if you if you stop the average person on the street and said, uh, name me 10 Rolling Stones songs, I think they'd struggle. But yeah. you could pick the person in the country that hates Queen the most. I bet they know every <laughs> single word of every single song on the two greatest hits albums. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's a Definitely. really good way of putting it. Also, Freddie's very funny they, I mean they're all very funny but Freddie as a front man is funny I so I grew up watching and we had the CD of Wembley 86 and it's it's funny and it's only as I've got older that I've gone I've realized that most musicians aren't funny at their gigs yeah there's not usually banter yeah they're highly intelligent highly intelligent yeah. people tend to be very witty I think you're right mm. the thing that I kept thinking about I keep think sorry. The thing I keep thinking about with this question is uh, the, the the Magic Years documentary, which I wore out. I think I watched it every day for like two years, and even now when I watch it, I can kind of follow along with the words. Uh, there is a moment in that where Mel Smith uh, from Smith and Jones, uh, Griffiths Jones and Mel Smith, that doubler, they actually because they introduced them at Live Aid dressed as coppers and all that, didn't they? But yes. they were on the Magic Years, and they they I think they addressed this exact question. It was some Mel said something like. Uh, for some reason, all comedians want to be rock stars and all rock stars want to be comedians. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can't remember, maybe you'll remember something, you, Susie, if you actually explained why that was, but there is some <laughs> real truth in that. I didn't know it was them who'd said that. I have I have heard that before. Right. I've heard it on like US podcasts where they say that. So, right. yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad I brought it up. <laughs> so, so much of Queen's output is performative. It's theatrical. It 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 deserves to be on a stage. There's elements of pantomime and theatre in everything they do, mm. so it lends itself so well to to coming at you from either a theatre stage or a video, mm. because their videos are so iconic. Mm. Mm. So, you know, take for example the Bohemian Rhapsody Queen Two Heads. That is so that is so perfect for parodying because their faces are in it. You know, everyone knows the front cover of Dark Side of the Moon. But mm. you can't really put it in a parody because it's an, it's not got the faces there. Mm. So they've got a lot of distinct imagery that involves faces. Mm. Um, so just on a practical level, that's quite useful. Yeah. Like, there's loads of images of the Beatles, but do, is there an iconic, is there one image of the Beatles that... No, there's loads of different ones. Mm. Whereas mm-hmm. four faces on black background in a diamond shape mm. that's queen that's mm. bohemian rhapsody it's the most famous song ever written mm. Mm. yeah so you just um you've got so many examples and also finally they do mad stuff yes bicycle race what <laughs> yes. the hell is that what is it what is it <laughs> it's it's and and it's not just they they sort of veer off from the genre so often in so many interesting ways that you've got like I'm going slightly mad. That's a really funny video. Mm. There's mm. a real sense of humour behind that. Mm. Um, 
And pathos. So there you go. Yeah, I think you're right. We'll move on. But uh, just to sort of round this out, I think, um, it's it's the fact that they they find collaboration comedically. Whereas, say, for example, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian do a video and then Seth Rogen, is it with James Franco, does um, just a piss take of that. That does happen with Queen a bit. But also, it's more than that. You get genuine... You know, you've again on the magic years. You have that lovely moment where Freddie appears or something and jumps on Kenny Everett. Um, and yeah, they were good mates. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, you know that obviously Wayne's World. Is that <laughs> huge? Mm. He almost reintroduced them to America just in that one moment. You know. Um, but also, they were. Someone once asked me, "Why is Bohemian Rhapsody always the top of all the polls? It really pisses me off. Why isn't it <laughs> this band I like?" Mm. And I think Queen were the biggest band on earth for a couple of years at the perfect time before streaming, before the internet, where if you were in the UK in 1975, 6 or 1991, 92, you heard Bohemian Rhapsody a lot. Mm. I haven't heard the most recent Kanye West song. So if you did a parody of a Kanye West video, I would have no idea what it (laughs) is. Whereas... If you imagine a song being number one for nine weeks mm. when all you could consume music through was the radio and four, three TV channels, mm. you, yeah. even though it sold, say it sold, I don't know, X million copies, X times X million people have exposed it. So they just had that that brief period of sort of between 74 and 90, mid-90s where... Mm everyone had access to their music in the same way. It's tattooed into our DNA, isn't it? It's imprinted upon us. Uh, All right, lovely. Um, uh, Would you guys like to hear a Seven Degrees of Rye? Yeah. Now, I've got a couple of Seven Degrees of Rye, and the intention behind Seven Degrees of Rye were like spurious connections, and I don't know anyone's quite managed to do that. There's very much a lot of... I bumped into once, but I thought this one would be a fun one to share. From Daniel Way, uh, my brother-in-law Chris used to work as a chef in a pizza restaurant in the 80s in Manchester, I think, with a guy called Neil. Now in his 50s, Chris is a freelance 3D modeler and animator and has recently worked for Queen. He was commissioned by Brian and Roger to create the gold 3D proscenium. When attending a run-through for the last tour, Chris recognised the bass player. It turns out the Neil he used to work with in the restaurant is Neil Fairclough. Wow. Uh, the current bassist. That's a very good seven That's degrees right, isn't of it? rye. Excellent. That's a very good one. That's rock solid, that. Well done, one Daniel degree of and rye. Chris Way. Oh, no, brother-in-law. So you may not be a Chris Way. You'd be Chris another way. Um, all right, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck the landing on that one. No problem. <laughs> we got a question asking us to... Uh, if we made a compilation of each member of the band's songs... What would we have in the top ten for those songs, or the top five? Uh, and so we assigned a band member to each of us, and it is time for Simon to tell us all about John's jingles. John's jaunty jingles. Yes. yes. Very good. Okay, so I have approached this with the idea of I want to demonstrate over the top ten just what extraordinary levels of brilliance John Deacon brought to the band. Probably the most underrated of the songwriters of the four of them, I would say. Um, but he's brought an incredible eclectic range. So uh, I ha- sort of discounted some of the collaborations that he did 
because uh, he wrote a few songs with Freddie. And it's always very difficult to know who brought what to that. However, having said that, at my number 10, there is a collaboration that he did with Freddie. So I've already undone my own rules. So okay. I hope that's OK. Yeah. So uh, number 10 is Cool Cat from Hot Space. Mm. Simply because we've talked about Queen not doing sexy songs very often. And that is a very sexy song. <laughs> Just imagine <laughs> Barry White doing a cover of that. Yeah. I rest my case. Okay. okay. Uh, at number nine, John brings Calypso to Queen with Who Needs You from News of the World. <laughs> yeah. uh, number eight, John can do a Rogers rocker just as much as Roger can if you can't beat them. If you can beat them, if you can't beat them, join them for jazz. That is a banger. I totally it's forgot a, that was John. Yeah. It's a total John one. Uh, number seven, One Year of Love from um, Kind of Magic is an yes. unbelievably beautiful ballad with some of the most poetic lyrics. What a, what a, a, a voice as well Freddie puts to that. 100%, mm. I agree completely. Um, number six, you'll be surprised this is number six. I put I Want to Break Free from the Works. Okay. Um, it's a huge track. It's an iconic video, massive hit. Um, all in all, a fantastic commercial pop song. It could easily have been in my top five. So... Okay, at number five, um, I've kind of cheated this one a little bit because um, I'm simply going to say without John Deacon, this song would, would not have happened. So here we go. I rest my case. That's all you need to know. Without that, <laughs> there's no second number one. So at so number that's... five on your John Deacon top ten, you've got a song written by Queen and David Bowie. Yeah, because of... Fine, I'll allow it. Without that, there is no song. That's all I'm saying. Uh, number four, um, uh, uh, this is, yeah, You and I from A Day at the Races. Oh! Uh, Are you playing jingle. a bit of that? That is With a bit, my favourite What I love song. about it yeah. is, is, is a jaunty jingle, but there's a bit of bite to it as well. Yeah. So should we have a little bit of it? Music is playing in the darkness And the lantern goes swinging by Shadows flickering, my heart's jittering. Just you and I. Not tonight, not tomorrow, when everything's sunny and sunny and bright. No, 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 not tomorrow, cause then we'll be waiting for the something to oh, talk about when we get I love it that could easily have been a single it would have been huge I think it's I amazing talking of good that, I know this was a single but my number three quite why this wasn't a bigger hit um, I have no idea um, is Spread Your Wings mm. from News ah. of the World mm. um, which I just 20, think right? is uh, yeah a, a, a chorus yes. to die for yes. really mm. so let's have a little bit of that
What a tune. Mm. Okay, then I get to know my top two. At number two, so the other week uh, when we talked about the first song that John wrote for Queen, sure. which was Misfire, yeah. we said it's very difficult for him because he was playing catch up with the others. And so he was very much learning in the public eye as he was fine tuning his, his songwriting ability. Um, so this is the second song that he wrote for Queen. Um, and it's mind blowing when you think about it like that. Um, plus we get an electric piano. And he gets Roger to play a drum fill on the whole kit backwards. I didn't see any of the other songwriters doing that. So my number two is You're My Best Friend. Ooh, you make me live. And then finally, well, the biggest Wait, selling on that, single. On that, I've got a question. Oh yeah, go on. You know that keyboard sound? We're still in the yeah. era of no keyboards. What That's was an electric that? piano? That's an electric piano. I thought it might have been a like a synclavier. But um, John Deacon plays it because yeah. Freddie refused to play an electric piano. Okay. <laughs> And I, when I did gigs in uh, Dublin, I went to comedian David O'Doherty's house, and he's always plays yes. stuff off little keyboards. Yeah. He's got the same model that that is played on, wow. and he just played me the intro to "You're My Best Friend," and it sounds exactly wow. the same. <laughs> See, I thought it was the synclavier, but of course that wasn't invented till 1983 by um, Frank Zappa, I think. Um, oh, used, really? yeah, yeah was, you don't want to get me talking about the synclavier. Well, yeah, it was used for the smoking parts of uh, the smoking parts of Thingfish, wasn't it? That opera that was released on CD but never fully performed. Mind you, <laughs> he did a whole album on the synclavier called um, Jazz, Jazz from, from Hell. Hell. Yeah, nineteen eighty-six. Which, All which composed had on a synclavier. had a parental guidance <laughs> sticker on it, even though it was an instrumental, because one of the songs is called G Spot Tornado. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it was the first, that was the first one from three official CDs by Zappa himself, with mainly synclavier music on it, John, which I thought yeah. was impressive. In fact, he said in the real FC book, which F said book, which I've read cover to cover, cover to cover. I can't quite remember quite what he said. I'll see if I can get it. was something along the lines of anything you make up can be played or typed by the machine. One of the things I'm using it for is the creation of complex rhythms that I can have executed accurately by different groups of instruments. With the synclavier, you can have every imaginable group of instruments play the most complex passages because the little fellows inside will always play it with a millisecond precision degree. Some things <laughs> live musicians do and machines don't are good and some are bad. One of the good things live musicians do is improvise. They respond to the moment and can play with more expression than a machine. Not that a machine knows no expression, but I have to type in a lot of the numbers to instantly get the same amount of expression of a well-rehearsed band. Machines don't get drunk, stoned or fired and don't need to help don't need help to carry their families with them from here to everywhere in cases of emergency. Can we get back to John Deacon? Yeah, for God's sake. <laughs> Zappa's so boring. <laughs> right back to john deacon and on my quest to prove why he is the most important songwriter of queen um 
my my number one <laughs> biggest selling single the band ever had and one of the most most iconic bass lines in music history john is the boss i rest my case <laughs> Walks fairly down the street with the brim pool way down low. Ain't no sound but the sound of his feet. Machine guns ready to go. Are you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? Out of the doorway, the bullets rip. To the sound of the beat, yeah. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone, and another one gone. Another one bites the dust, yeah. There you go. Amazing. Amazing. Well done. Exactly the right choice. Is that the song that's made them the most money in the end? Yes. Biggest song. You did say that. Sorry, yeah, Yeah. fantastic. And it is it's just a stormer. I think even if you feel that you don't like Queen, you kinda have to that and under pressure are both songs you kinda have to accept that they are brilliant. Yeah, well absolutely. done, Simon. That was a fantastic. Well, I have to say, that I actually, in compiling that top ten, I, there's only five songs that I left out. Oh, what were they? <laughs> well, because that was all there was. Yeah. So mm. it's sort of, and um, one of them was Execution of Flash of and course. Arborea that I did listen to and consider. Yeah. But um, didn't didn't quite scrape into the top sure, ten. Sure, sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> any big hitters that were missing? Obviously, Misfire. Well, so there's Misfire I missed out in only seven days. Oh, yeah. Uh, isn't that right? Oh, that's a and, tune. Um, and then, of course, we would have had... Uh, we could have had Pain is So Close to Pleasure. Oh, and, friend, and Friends Will Be Friends, but he co-wrote those with Freddie, so as I said, I... Oh, okay. I, I would have had um, In Only Seven Days in place of Who Needs You. That's just me. That's just me. <laughs> well, when we get to those albums, we'll deuce that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's get into. So I'm going to do a little bit here with everyone on fan corrections and points of information. <laughs> now I'm going to try and address a few of these. I'm not going to get to all of the ones you guys have been sending us. Please keep them coming. We do love uh, hearing from you, and this is all good fun stuff. Yes. Um, now, where are we on the wah pedal update, Simon? Because um... <laughs> this has been rumbling through the series and it's time to put it to bed once and for all, isn't it? Um, sure. And we talked about uh, Great King Rat, I think it was, wasn't it? Being the only song. Yeah, I think I claimed rather um, offhand that Great King Rat is the only song where Brian uses a wah pedal. Right. And... We were picked up on that, and um, it was pointed out to us that Give Me the Prize also featured the wah pedal, um, but we weren't, we, we could find no evidence of this, so we needed clarification from either Brian May or his guitar tech. And we were able to ask Brian, who said he might have done, couldn't actually remember, <laughs> um, uh, but did inform us that he did use a wild pedal on Delilah from the uh, from Innuendo uh, album. Um, so that just leaves Brian's guitar tech at the time. Um, and so to f- hopefully finally put this to bed, um, I was able to get into contact with Brian Zellis, who wow. was Brian's guitar tech during the um, recording of A Kind of Magic album. Um, You're my hero. <laughs> <laughs> and so amazing. we asked. 
and um, the re- I got a lovely reply um, uh, over email, which read, "Yes, probably, possibly, it was a long time ago. It's impossible <laughs> to recall this stuff. We were too drunk to remember." <laughs> so there you go. I sh- sorry to that's that's above and beyond Simon, and sorry to further muddy the waters. But according to Wikipedia, Brian uses a voice box on Delilah, not a wire pedal. Oh. Ooh. Well, who do we believe? Well, Wikipedia's been wrong Brian. before, though, hasn't it? On yeah, the it Ivan the Velo Award. That is information yes. from Brian. Well, did yeah. Brian say it was on Delilah? Yeah. I don't think he did, no, or did that he? Was the that cat was sound on Delilah, yeah. yeah. That's that's when Simon asked Brian directly, you remember? Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, who knows? So, we'll never know, I think, is the answer to the wild pedal, because the two people that were there can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's, just as a... Side, side point, Brian's pedal setup on stage, considering the sounds he makes, is one of the simplest, sparsest setups in all of rock music. If you, if you ever watch Skunk and Nancy, <laughs> the, the pedals that that guy has got, it, there must be 40 pedals. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Brian is able to do that with his fingers, his plectrum, and a, a tremolo arm, and the settings of the... Uh, the pickups that go in and out of phase Amazing. on his guitar, which is which is quite incredible. Mm. Yeah, All right, uh, uh, at M Evans uh, says that he read because we were wondering about this on uh, sheer heart attack side B. I read that Roger came up with the Stormtrooper in stiletto subtitle in reference to the heavy plodding beat of the song. Oh, okay. Unverified. Oh, right, okay. But maybe that's what it is. Um, at mm-hmm. ONHB seventeen. Uh, says he has a confession after Tenement Funstergate. I always thought she makes me Stormtrooper in stilettos was Stormtrooper in silhouettes. I wish I was joking. In my defence, <laughs> neither stilettos or silhouettes are mentioned in the song. Bless him. Well, thank you for that. That's more a point of information, I feel. So, at Queen of the May 2... Uh, I think it's Kathy Gallagher. There's a smile version. I haven't heard it. My friend did of White Queen as it began. Ever heard of it? If so, what's the impressions? Can you play it? In the 80s, Brian signed my insert on Getting Smile and was very interested in what was on it. He was furious that both April Lady and Polar Bear were credited to the to Unknown and crossed it out, telling me it was him. He also corrected the lyrics <laughs> on one of the songs for me. It might have been Earth. And so what's interesting is... So I don't think any of us have found this... Uh, are aware of this White Queen as it began smile version, yes? Yeah, I'm not yeah. entirely convinced it, that it does exist. I mean, we would need to ask Brian when he wrote it, <laughs> if he wrote it in his smile days or later. But uh, what uh, has come up from me kind of having a look around at this um, is I found a 1984 track called Sweet Wine. Would you guys Ah, like to hear that? Yes, please. Freely falling, we can buy time. 
I can tell that from listening to that that the bassist has been listening right. to Velvet Underground, the guitarist has been listening to Cream, <laughs> and uh, the drummer's been listening to a little yeah. bit of both. I can't. Is, it, is that Brian's sound? Can you kind of tell that's Brian? Who knows? Baby Brian. Baby Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I hope that that does some way to satisfying that Queen of the May too. So it, I think it's time for another fan letter. This one is all the way from Canada, from a Gord Maybe. And he says, Hello from Canada. My name is Gordy, uh, and I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I'm in my late 40s, and I've been a Queen fan since I was about four, when I discovered the news of the world and had heard the first four or five tracks. However, I didn't buy all of the albums until 91, as they'd come out on seat as they had come out on CD. And yeah, the remixes were either tolerable or just plain atrocious, which I think we've talked about uh, this season. Queen got me through my high school years, and back then it wasn't cool to be a fan in my early 20s either. So um, yeah, I think there's a lot of empathy with what we've been through, especially John. I discovered the podcast a couple of days ago while checking Twitter and immediately subscribed to it. I'm in the process of catching up to the latest episode, and right now I just finished listening to Queen 2, The Black Side. I'm looking forward to what you're going to do after going through all of the albums, and whether you're going to be going through all the solo albums, and maybe appearances on other band songs, for example, Brian playing with Soundgarden, maybe even talking about bands they've influenced or who have influenced them. About my last idea, I can think of a lot of bands that have Queen all over their music and maybe more than what Wikipedia has listed. For example, the band Korn has even admitted that singer Jonathan Davis loves Freddie and Robert Plant as much as other 80s new wave and alternative bands. I bet you that even Depeche Mode have been influenced by Queen in some way, uh, and the same with Queen being influenced by them on a song like Radio Gaga. Even extreme metal bands owe something to Queen, and obviously Stone Cold Crazy is a perfect example of this. If you listen to what Roger is doing during the verses, he is essentially playing blast beats, except he's using rim shots as opposed to snare on the second beat, and it's not quite so fast as you would hear in bands like Suffocation or any extreme metal bands you can name from any related subgenre. This guy knows his stuff. By the way, take another listen to Friends Will Be Friends and you will hear some Hendrix-like wah-wah from Brian <laughs> during the fade-outs. <laughs> that jumped out at me after thinking about it and I thought I would mention it here. Also, a kind of magic in the works were recorded using Rockman amplifiers along with the usual amps for the heavy sound. Nobody has said this, but when I listened to both albums, I immediately recognised the sound as I would hear it on more recent albums by Boston. Uh, a lot of bands had used them without mentioning it other than Def Leppard. Even Wikipedia fails to point this fact out about those two albums. This guy is a details-orientated man. One thing you should know about me is that I've been blind since birth and I am also a musician. I can't play guitar as well as Brian or sing like Freddie, but I try. I also have perfect pitch and have a trained ear to hear music and any sounds, like guitar sounds and even how Freddie's voice sounds on certain tracks from Made in Heaven. When it had come out, most people didn't clue in that the vocals had been recorded over a number of years, and after listening to each track, I figured it out right away. Anyway, keep up the great work, and hopefully the cast can go on. The podcast can go on for a long time, even after the pandemic is over. Oh, oh, oh mate! Nice email, yeah. And isn't that lovely to get? You know, we're an audio format talking about audio format. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure enough, it comes Gord going. Wow, yeah. So what I love about that is it gives us all this incredible detail. And then, of course, we find out, yeah, he's got a heightened ear. Yeah. <laughs> he knows yeah, his stuff, that's cool. for sure. 
That's great. Hey guys, here's a fan question for you from Stevie Kennedy. Okay. Uh, Stevie writes in, she asks, uh, from a young fan, are there any specific Queen stories that weren't in Bohemian Rhapsody that you would have liked to have seen? Or even just songs that you think should have been in the film or that you would have liked to have heard? Ooh. Well, I wish that the Sid Vicious story was in the film. Uh, oh, oh, great yeah. shout. Uh, yeah. like, I, and I walked into the cinema expecting to see that and I was so excited. And when it wasn't in there, when they'd got to like the 80s, I went, oh, okay, we're not going to see... <laughs> Sid oh, Vicious get brilliant. pinned up against the wall and got called <laughs> Simon Ferocious. <laughs> I don't know the story. Could you could you tell it? So apparently, Queen were recording at the same time as the Sex Pistols. Sid Vicious was uh, being a pain in the ass, um, making fun of Freddie for um, having an interest in ballet, etc. And Freddie uh, pinned him up against the wall and said, listen, Simon Ferocious, I don't care who you are. (laughs) (laughs) There's various different tellings of it, but that's the one I have. That's the essence. (laughs) Yeah. the sort of the the urban myth phrasing of it, which is definitely not true, but sounds better, is uh, Sid Vicious comes into their uh, recording studio. It was when they were recording uh, News of the World Mm. and they were in sort of adjacent studios Sid Vicious comes in and says to Freddie um are you still doing are you still trying to bring ballet to the masses yeah which and Freddie says well Mr Ferocious we're doing our best yeah. <laughs> was it on the the days of our lives documentary where Roger just went Sid came in and he, and he really was a moron. He was a total moron. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that I, I was, I can't remember where it was from, Magic Years, or it might have even been This Is The Days Your Lives, but you always had, there's this lovely little clip of Freddie responding to it where he just sort of, just gently goes, well, I, I gave it as good as he got, so, something like that. Yeah. He was just very understated about it, but you know. I'm sure he did, yeah. I my I may have told this early on in the podcast, but my ex girlfriend's dad was also in that uh, recording studio complex recording an album when that happened, oh. and he used to see Roger and Brian in the kitchen, and he said that Roger Taylor was the first person he ever heard use the phrase "man" as in "cool man." Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> He thought it was the coolest thing. <laughs> he called someone man. <laughs> yeah. Um, fantastic. John, have you got any stories missing from Bohemian Rhapsody that you would like to see? see well, when I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, I, I made quite a conscious decision not to wish it was anything other than it was because that way madness would lie. Mm. So I I saw it once as a rough cut uh, before it was released at a little cinema in Soho, a press screening. Mm. And then I saw it once sort of in full glory after it was released. And I I wanted to maintain that, the impact it had on me as a fan. And I didn't want to approach it as a nerd. So I've never actually watched it again. (laughs) And I'm really glad I haven't because... I mean, everyone knows there are an awful lot of uh, changes to like the actual timeline when certain songs are played. So I didn't want to apply my analytical brain to the film. Mm. Um, so there's, I, I wouldn't change it at all. Um, uh, but I, I think actually now Susan said that I would go for, I would go for the Sid Vicious episode. I mean, part of me 
would like to have seen more of what I have heard went on in Munich. But I very much, very much doubt the band would want that yeah, to appear. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. Um, who would you have cast as Sid Vicious? Uh, Adam Lambert. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Doing an awful Cockney that accent would have been or something. Genius. I don't know, actually. Like Eddie a young Ed Edmondson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Edmondson. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd have loved it as well. Yeah, he'd have totally yeah. done that. Uh, how about you, Simon? Any? Well, you know all the Queen stories that were skipped, really. So Yeah, I, I, I think John's right. I mean, the, the film is, is what it is. And I think if you start adding bits in, um, it, it would it would ruin what that that film was trying to do. Um, and it, and I, I, there's, there's nothing there that I thought... Oh, that's a shame. But something I would have liked to have seen on film recreated would have been when they first went to South America. And just to Uh, see how the band mm. dealt with the fact that it caused, you know, particularly in Argentina, they had to have an armed guard and, you know, and then they suddenly were playing these enormous stadiums like Mm. Rock in Rio in front of all those people. What that must have been like would have been would have been amazing. Wasn't it like 300,000 people? Yeah, it's it's extraordinary. Insane. And I always love that interview clip where that bloke says to Freddie, so Fred, what's it like playing in front of 300,000 people? And he goes, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> such a great, yeah. a great moment. And I think, yeah, no matter how cool they looked, they must have been absolutely bricking it mm. when they went out on stage because um, that was extraordinary. Yeah, I, I think I think you guys are right. I think the, the film is what it is. Uh, I don't particularly have anything that I want to include. What is interesting is every time I keep thinking about it, it's all stuff that happens after Live Aid. Um, so yeah. I would have loved to have seen Wembley 86 and Nebworth mm. and uh, the Kind of Magic album. And oh, and Barcelona, kind of... recorded Barcelona. Exactly, yeah. So um, in a funny sort of way, uh, I think what I concluded was, yeah, I would have liked more film, please. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. That, it was really nice. Because um, also the thing is, as Queen fans, we're not, uh, we're not short of documentaries. No. You know, if we want a documentary, if we want to know every iota of, of Queen's history, we've got a choice of fantastic, superb documentaries. Um, so it would be it would be odd to come away from the film thinking, oh, I'd rather have had another documentary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. You've got the documentaries for the details. This was a dramatisation. The thing that I that I did resonate with on, on, on the movie was, yeah, they were telling a story and it was... It was it was storytelling, so that was fine. I was very comfortable with all of that. Um, uh, but what amused me or irritated me was um, that in, within the film they talk about how their music is for the people, for fans, right? That's what they're making all of their stuff for, not really for the critics. And it was sort of addressed in the film. There's actually a line in the film, I think, in in the office with um, Mike Myers. Uh, and then in the real world, as while this film made a billion dollars, uh, critics are going, Freddie's not gay enough in it. Oh, he's not high enough. Like he's loads gay in it, and he's loads high in it. It's it is what happened, right? That I didn't I didn't understand it. I just that drove me a little bit up the wall. That you're like, no, guys, I think you've missed the point. That this is something that's loved. That also ties into a kind of. Um, a, a, a subconscious or semi-conscious homophobia that when you say in the film they didn't make him gay enough, mm. the subtext of that is 
because that's why he died. Yeah. Mm. Because he was gay, whereas he didn't die because he was gay. He died because he caught a disease no one understood. But yeah. there is still there is still kind of in some people's consciousness, an equa- and they make uh, they equate a gay lifestyle to somehow. Um, being a moral vice that ends Mm. with someone getting HIV Mm -hmm. so by playing down Freddie being gay what they're saying is they're playing down his responsibility in the disease that killed him but that's that's not true there's an amazing line in the Somebody to Love book which is and I think it's quoting someone who said no one who's ever died of AIDS has been guilty of anything Mm -hmm. Right, and it's a really powerful message very well in that, said, John. In that interview on um, morning television, like the week after Freddie died, it's uh, Roger and Brian are saying he had absolutely nothing to apologise for. Mm. No. Mm, absolutely. It's yeah. like, it would be like saying, you know, when, when if you'd got COVID in February, mm. someone's saying, well, it was his lifestyle. He was out in the shop without a mask <laughs> on and he was coughing and sneezing and shaking hands. And you're like, yeah, everyone was. Yeah. And we didn't... <laughs> know any different all right so uh we're now going to look at rogers rockers i'm not 100 percent. i've been given rogers rockers to do which i'm very excited about i like to call them rogers edges because i i think they're edgy tracks um and rogers rockers does not does not make me feel like that that is reflected doesn't make you feel no, that edgy. No, uh, So there are 20 <laughs> album tracks that he's written. Uh, 21 if you want to include... Um, uh, oh, God, A Human Body, is it? I don't think that's on an album. Um, all right, so at number 10, I put in more of that jazz. Number nine, I put in the space capsule because it's beautiful from the Flash album. Yeah. Uh, number eight, I'm in love with my car, of course. Uh, number seven, <laughs> I put Don't Lose Your Head from the Kind of Magic album, which is awesome oh, and I love yeah. it. Uh, and then it got very crowded. So my top six is Coming Soon from the game, which I adore. I adore that track. At number five, I've got Rocket. Prime Jive, and I'm just going to play this bit hey. where Freddie Freddie singing then kicks in with the track, which is amazing. When I hear that rock and roll, it gets to my soul. It's very, um, it's very the cross. Which yeah. album? Yeah. Yeah. So the first album, all my bad and dangerous tonight. 
I'm going to shove say it, shove yeah, it. I thought you might. Hmm. Uh, and okay. I'm going to try not to take it personally. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, at number four, I have Drowse. Drowse? We're heading breathlessly towards Ten no. and Funster, aren't we? <laughs> no, didn't make, didn't make my top ten. Did not what? make my top ten, that. Um, wow. At number three, obviously we're now getting into his big hit, so at number three I put A Kind of Magic, but I am specifying yeah. the Highlander version because everyone knows A Kind of Magic, not everyone knows the Highlander version. Is this a kind of magic? What do we think? Kind of magic? His best song? His third best song? Superb song. Fantastic. At number two, I'm putting the anthem Radio Gaga. Oh, yeah. All we hear is Radio Gaga. Uh, happy with Radio Gaga? I oh, think it's nice at number two because yeah. that's where it reached in the charts. <laughs> yeah, of course. At number one, which none of you will have guessed, there's no way, is Tenement Funster. Tenement Funster is at <laughs> yeah. number one. Oh my god, Tenement yeah, Funster. Why not? Uh, so it's a fair arbitrary top ten because I love all of his songs. All of them. Uh, and I did not like having to choose, but that is what I came up with. Uh, and so now we have a really lovely treat for us and for you. We have the wonderful um, Jackie Smith and Jim Jenkins from the Queen Fan Club and uh, the writers of the amazing autobiography, um, uh, biography, uh, as it began which is a fantastic book. Jackie, Jim, hello. Hello there. Hi, nice to see you. Talk to you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're doing this little fan special, really, just for 
well, we ran out of ideas. So this is what we're doing. So I thought we'd just chat to you guys a little bit uh, as maybe the archetypal queen fans <laughs> for the planet. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, the first thing that I wanted to ask you is a little bit earlier this year, I think, Jim, you were talking about potentially uh, having another pass at the, um, as it began biography, the official 92 biography. And you sort of say, yeah. well, watch this space. Is that... Is there anything more you could tell us about that? I've been, I've been working on it all week. This working week. hard. Have you? Uh, yeah. And that's all I'm going to say. Right. Oh. <laughs> right. Wow. He hasn't sent it to me yet, yeah. So, no, we'll get no, that. You'll get, Jackie, I just had to confirm something with Greg last night. Okay. So you will get it. You'll get it tomorrow. Amazing. <laughs> Are you allowed to say you're putting more detail in up to 92? Or you're adding stuff post ninety two. Is that are you even allowed mainly to mainly adding? Yeah, from ninety two to this that, year, yeah. but Amazing. just a few alterations in the text that has already been done. A couple Amazing. of corrections that need yeah, yeah. doing. And other things that Jim and I have found out since we wrote the book that have come to light. So it won't be a rewrite. It will just be adding what Jim's decided to put in, into the original you're time. able to scratch just all those little itches that you've had yeah just, just <laughs> insert delete and insert oh that must all, be i've done deep. it i've done it it's all done amazing all done. amazing but we don't know what the time frame is before the plebs Not, like us get to well say. asap <laughs> asap jackie and i <laughs> get working I, on it but it'll be the first time in print the story of smile to queen has ever been told. Oh, wow. Is, Fantastic. Yeah. The oh, real story, the proper story, as it happened, yeah. as it began. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You guys were given access to the band by the band, essentially, to create that book. And no one yeah. has really had that level of access. I mean, even Simon, with all the documentary stuff he's been doing, he's got great access, but never, obviously, to all four. <laughs> no, we were very, very lucky. Very lucky. We were given access to them, to their families to friends and everything else. And they've given us permission and their blessing to do this update, which is great. That's amazing. Um, out of all of the people that you spoke to, I, I'm, I'm desperate to try not to ask you cliched questions, but I think I've only got cliched questions to ask you. But out of all of the people that you spoke to, were there, were there particular highlights you got? I'm just so happy I've got that memory of spending that bit of time with that person or... So well, for, yeah. loads of the people that we spoke to, particularly the band themselves, obviously, um, and particularly Freddie, who was very helpful at the time. Um, but there was a lot of the guests, and sadly, a lot of the ones that we spoke to, Jim and I interviewed for the original book, are no longer with us, which is a really sad situation. But we were very lucky at the time to capture as many people as we felt were part, a very big part of Queen's history. Yeah. And they were all an absolute delight. They were great. It's a testament... Oh. The mums that stick out with me. Oh. Mrs. Deacon. Was really? Just, really. was great. Really. was amazing. Mom, she was brilliant as well. And Roger's mum was so lovely. Freddie's mum was lovely. And I loved Ruth May. Mrs. May was just, when we went, she was adorable. Yeah. Although, cups of tea and cake and mums. Down to earth people. <laughs> No, oh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, it was the same for me. I uh, happened to, thanks to Simon, go to one of their gigs and I was a few seats down from Jer and I just had a little moment with her at the end of the gig 
and it was a lovely moment and I'm just so happy I have that memory in my head it just it's something I think about quite often and I'm, I'm quite envious of the fact that you guys have been there from pretty much the very beginning how many times do you reckon you've seen the band live have you literally lost count or do you keep a very no I, I think I don't like talking about it because people think you're bragging and I've noticed <laughs> it's a bit. I saw them a lot <laughs> which, which was the favourite tour, Jim? What was your favourite tour? tour? The crazy, crazy tour. tour. Yeah. I went to 14 of the 18 shows and it was we went out with the band after the show. So you can imagine how special that was. It was the gigs were I think Queen at their best. Mm. And it was just special. So yeah, for me, the crazy tour was the best though. I love the early 70s shows as well. The Rainbow from 74 is very, very special to me. But as a tour, crazy tour. Mm. What about you, Jackie? I first saw them in 1983, because I joined in 82. And the very first time I saw them live on stage, it was in the days before you had to have passes for everything and seats for everything. I was actually standing out the front at the side with Freddie's mum. So we were watching, and it's the first time I'd seen them live. I got to know them as the people I worked for, but just standing there and suddenly watching the superstars that they were was a moment I'll never forget. It was incredible. And I was wow. so nervous going backstage afterwards, thinking, like, I, I thought of them differently. They were the guys I used to see in the office and take up their tea. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, God, can I actually just walk into their dressing room now? Is that allowed? Wow. So it was yeah, 83 it was fabulous. It was one I'll always remember. Amazing. And so you've sort of tracked them going from small well, you Jim certainly tracked them from going from small rooms to stadiums. Was that just always a natural progression, do you think? Or was were you surprised as that started to happen? Oh, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely gonna happen. I knew from day one. I know it sounds stupid but there was something special about them. I'd never seen anything like them before. And you knew they were destined for the big. Right. And, it, and it, it did. Though I do love, I prefer the small arena gigs. It's more personal. And I'm, I think the atmosphere is a little bit different. But those big arenas, when you're talking 200,000 people plus, wow. But the indoor arenas now have gone big. Jackie and I was in Japan earlier this year. And that, Stadium in Tokyo, thirty-eight thousand wow. people, and it was like, oh, you know, gone with the days of the empire with two thousand. Yeah, right. <laughs> I um, I've always sort of had this thing where uh, I've kind of had this attitude. So I was lucky enough. The first gig I ever went to was the tribute concert. Um, so obviously never had the fortune of seeing Freddie live, but as an introduction to live music <laughs> at the age of 15. I was like, okay. Um, and uh, I've been lucky enough to see them on every tour since, not not every gig since, like you have done, but, but certainly every tour since. And I've just always had this attitude of, if you can see them live, you must see them live. That is it. And I don't have that attitude with any other band, really. Um, and I, what I wanted to ask you guys was, obviously, their consummate uh, album uh artists and incredible songwriters but at the end of the day it's all about hearing them live right would, would you sort of 
put their live performances above everything else, do you think? Or do you just think it's all just one big package? No, I think the live performances are very, very important. And I'm a bit like you. I mean, I love so many different bands, but I'm not like on the phone straight away to get a ticket for that band when they play live. But as you're right, everyone's going, oh my God, we must go and see Queen. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, live, they were fantastic. I think they're brilliant. They yeah, couldn't be yeah. faulted. But they're incredible musicians. The albums do stack up as well. You can't, but it is part of the package. I think they're right. Yeah, yeah. It is because live captures a moment in time. With an album, it's forever. It's as long as you live. You can go and play an app, their first debut album in 2020, where you can't see them yeah. now as it was back then in 73. Yeah. So I think a live gig is, na- is a moment in time is now. And it's one of the best things in life. Anyone who doesn't go to gigs and like gigs, to me, something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask a couple of questions, Ro? Yeah, please. Um, well, first off, uh, Jackie, I'm sure somewhere in your office you've got uh, framed a handwritten letter that I sent you 28 years ago uh, asking <laughs> to join the Queen fan club with a cheque for £5. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Should have joined in 74. It was 50 pence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had two questions. First off, Queen is a band were quite private people, especially in terms of their relationship with the press, quite understandably as as sort of um, punk came along and the press got sort of slightly more uh, arsy about, about sort of glam rock and rock music. But they've always seemed to have given a huge amount of time for their fans. And I was always amazed looking at old fan club magazines, the amount of letters and appearances and videos that they recorded. And I wondered if that, has that always been the case from day one that they, they do genuinely seem like they put their fans at the centre of, of what they do. They're not just sort of doing it because they have to. No, it's a genuine thing with them. It always has been. I mean, even one of the first things that Freddie said to me when I got my job, um, we all had a little chat together and he said, darling, if you need anything, call me. And he meant it. Brian and Roger always still write letters for the magazine. Um, and they've always, always put the fans first. I think it's why they decided to take over the fan club from EMI. It was a case of like, you know, we want our fans to know that we care. So I think that's where it all started. Yeah, and they're, they're still very, very supportive. Um, my second question is, and I count myself as this sort of person, but having been to a few Queen events and gigs, Queen fans seem to be slightly more obsessive than other bands' fans. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, for listeners, I'm speaking in front of my Queen shelf my Freddie <laughs> shelf <laughs> so like if you went to a if you met someone and they said oh, I'm, I'm a big Rolling Stones fan and you went to their house you wouldn't expect to see like a Rolling Stones room whereas with Queen fans <laughs> when when someone says I'm really into Queen you know there's going to be some kind of shrine somewhere <laughs> uh, why why is it that Queen fans more than other rock band fans it's, it's quite often the main thing they're into what, what do you think it is about the band that attracts that sort of fan? Or is it, what, what is it that, that, that makes them so particular? Good question, but I don't really, I mean, there are, there are people that I know have bought houses because they need an extra room to put the Queen collection. <laughs> there is that. But I think it's something as well to do with the loyalty of the band to them. Um, also, obviously the music, but you, you can't get away from that. But I think that they realize that the band are, are quite accessible. They're, they're not, 
totally on a pedestal, if you know what yeah. I mean. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. It's like, you know, when you fall in love with a band. I mean, I love so many bands and I don't even know who they are. I mean, without an album sleeve, I couldn't even tell you the names. But with Queen fans, there is definitely obsession. Absolutely an obsession. <laughs> but it's, it's a very good one in most cases, I have to say. But I do think it's to do with that loyalty. The band are loyal to them and they're loyal to their band. I think it's the intimacy, John. The yeah. relationship between the band and the fan. And as Jackie says, you, you're close to them. And they were, they, were, they were involved. And I think because of that, maybe Queen fans do get obsessive. It's so clear when you see Queen live or footage of Queen live that everything they're doing on stage is being presented to the audience and there's an interaction, whereas so many other, especially rock bands, take themselves so seriously that they're sort of quite insular on stage and they're trying to look cool or aloof. Whereas the minute Freddie or Brian or, well, to a lesser extent, John and Roger, because they're at the back or at the side, but it's they're looking at you and the, often the first movement they make even on stage is directed to the audience to say, here we are, we're here with you. Whereas you can watch some bands and it's like maybe the fourth song until they even acknowledge there's an audience mm. there. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if Queen fans feel that connection and it makes them feel part of the experience. Well, I think it, there's, people have always said that even in a very, very big stadium, Freddie could make the very last person at the very, very top yeah. feel like he, he, they were part of the whole experience. He wouldn't just look to the first few rows, he would look right to the back and make sure that all of those people were having a good time too. And I think that was a very important thing. And there's very few bands can do that, very few frontmen that can do that, not, not successfully anyway, so. I think from the beginning, I think actually Freddie brought the fans in by asking, like in, you start Ogre Battle and after the first verse, it would stop and Freddie would go, what do you think of the show so far? <laughs> so it's actually asking the audience. And I think that built, and especially with the AOs, when that kicked in and the response from the crowd. Because, you know, when I first went to gigs, people didn't sing. You just watched the show and clapped at the end of the song. You didn't take part in whoever was playing. And I noticed with Queen from the beginning that, hang on, there's interaction here between them and us. And I think that built and built and built to the way it is today, the way the touring today is. No different than it was. The only difference is that there's a certain man not on stage, but the atmosphere, the relationship, the intimacy, it's still there today. Mm, I think anyway. Suze, have you got questions for these wonderful years? Yeah, I was going to ask you, so you've been genuine fans for decades and mm -hmm. been amongst other fans for decades. My observation with Queen fandom is there's a unique um, faction of like the female fans. It, a, they're a rock band that have a lot of female fans and they're not screaming groupie type fans, but I could be very wrong about that. Have you found that? Oh, and is that from the 70s onwards? <laughs> oh, there is. The Roger Gales. They come <laughs> to my mind. They, you know, it's funny because it built, at, at the beginning, it was mainly male dominated. Right. Because people were interested in how Brian played the guitar. Mm -hmm. How was that echo? And when mm -hmm. you were, like, met them after the show, all the guys were asking, Brian, how did you do that? And then 
Well, I built that. You built that guitar yourself. And then Brian had spent an hour telling people how he built the guitar. And I think then, <laughs> of course, the girls started looking at Roger. Well, I mean, not just Roger, but I think it was Roger. Oh, and so then the girls started. No. Yeah. Because he looked scary. like them. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very pretty man. Yeah. Um, uh, Simon, what have you got to... Well, I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about the conventions because um, we talk, I've, I've spoken in the past about how I, I came as a fan and then you very, very kindly have invited me back three or four times and I've always loved going. But the last time I came, which was last year, the thing that struck me is you said that there are now people that come to the conventions who were born because of the convention. So it's, it's almost like the convention is going to live forever because it's just regenerating itself, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. It's very true. We have generations of people turning up. We've got people that came to the, the first few, then they met people at the convention, then they had kids, bought their kids. They're now bringing their grandkids. And in some cases, like, or their great grandkids. So it is a very big family affair, yeah. It's quite, it's quite scary when somebody comes up to you though and goes, hi, I don't know if you remember me from the first convention. This is my grandson. And it's like, what? <laughs> wow, that is insane. But um, presumably um, COVID took its toll on... Uh, the convention this year so have you got some exciting plans for next year where hopefully it'll be back bigger and better than ever well we did it we did a virtual convention we did right. an online virtual convention which went down very very well indeed um but yeah next year is a big big party and we've got people that originally booked for this year are carrying on coming next year but we've got new bookings coming in as well already so would you like a, a live podcast at the convention yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. You can Brilliant. all come. You're all invited. <laughs> well, Simon knows what's got, got, what goes on. It's just a brilliant weekend. They are amazing weekends. Um, but actually, Jackie, you can you can help answer a, a question that came up on an earlier podcast, I understand. So we were chatting um, a couple of weeks ago about some of the earlier songs that Queen did on the first few albums that then started to appear as b-sides on single releases from later albums and i then we decided you know what what was the reason behind that and i did some digging and someone a little bird told me jackie that you were responsible for one of those instances for example on the b-side of the miracle yeah stone cold crazy live and i understand that was your idea is that true uh, yes, I think it ah. was, and there was a, there was another one, and I can't remember what we did. There was a melancholy blues was box set or something came out, and and they oh, I needed yeah. to, they needed some suggestions for that as well. So yeah, that was my idea. <laughs> that was that was Suzy's first bit of Queen she ever owned at five, and would was walk it? around to Stone Cold Crazy as a five. Yeah, I'd put Stone Cold Crazy on on our very new CD player and run around the living room as quickly as I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were literally wondering, that's amazing. Was there, was there a thought behind looking to get uh, sort of back catalogue songs or less maybe? No, a lot of it came from the fans themselves because I would, in those days before computers, people would ring up and I'd chat to them and talk to them and stuff. Um, and, and also, obviously, I, I would speak to Jim and lots of people come up with different versions, different suggestions. Yeah. But he was normally the one, Jim was normally the one that came up with the best ideas. <laughs> I think in well, that, from what I understand, in that instance, it was to promote the release of Rare Live, wasn't it? That Stone Cold Crazy course. was on. Ah. But so the, the fan club must have been um, 
very close to the band then to sort of be in a position where you could have those conversations with the band just you know spontaneously yeah, we all shared the same office we were at Pembridge Road, which was great we were we were shoved in the basement you know but and I remember it's a very long way to the top to take the tea um <laughs> but yeah we, we, they would pop down and just sit there and Roger would sit with his feet on the desk and and they'd always come down and say hello and have a cup of tea downstairs rather than upstairs so <laughs> we were very close to them yeah wow, so lovely um uh well uh, the thing that I have in my mind is the fact that there is probably no one on earth that contains more information about Queen in his head than Jim. Encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and many, many, many moons ago, uh, a Queen fan club member uh, actually put together with her mates a, I think, an impossible quiz for your fanzine. And we have... Uh, access to this wonderful human. So I'm now going to bring in the wonderful uh, comedian and singer. She's in Arthur Smith's band. She does Masioki. She's awesome. Um, she's Kirsty Newton. Hi, Kirsty. Hello. Hey. Hi, Kirsty. Hiya. <laughs> right. Do you want to tell Hi. us what this uh, all this quiz caper was about? Because you told okay. me about it briefly, and I'm just so excited about it. I need to get you on. Well, basically, well, Jackie will absolutely um, back me up on this. So I met. My two friends who wrote this quiz with me, I met them actually at the fan club in Barnes when it had just moved to Barnes. I think it was very soon after you'd moved there. And uh, I, I met them there and they've been my best friends ever since. And I'm godmother to children. And wow. yeah. Uh, um, and uh, so they are my queen buddies. Well, I've got lots and lots of queen buddies, but they're yeah. like my, my close ones. But yeah, we, we have, we still have WhatsApp queen group and stuff and uh, <laughs> we decided to write uh we would so you know we had what we called the college the queen knowledge and uh <laughs> and of course what you're just saying about obsessive queen fans like you know you have obsessed obsessions like we knew every line you can quote the magic years from yeah. beginning to end you know yeah. it's the you know yeah, every you know every lyric to every single song and all the b-sides and back in the days before the internet i used to kind of go through record collector and try and find all the rarities and and buy them all not because i wanted to be a complete but because i wanted to hear them because you yeah. have no way of hearing them right. apart from going to the conventions which you know i, I ended up doing uh, dragging my mum along to the first one and then I was old enough to go by myself when, uh, after I was 16. When was that? When was the first one? The first one that you went to? The first one that I went to. And oh, then I think go, yeah. 93 is when I entered the talent competition. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I, came, I came second. Look. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. Oh, oh, I actually, my mum has just brought these down. She found them in her bathroom. Where oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I came second singing Spread Your Wings. Oh, uh, great choice. And uh, then we got, I came third. I was getting worse. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I sang Jealousy. Oh. And then I can't remember what I did for this one, but again, third, I, I gave up. I was like, I, if I come third again, I'm going to never be a musician. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. so I gave up at that point. But uh, yeah, I, I went to quite a lot of conventions in the 90s and uh, and then I just got a bit too busy and I was always you know teaching or on tour or doing something so yeah, yeah, yeah I couldn't of course. really I should say for listeners Kirsty's backdrop is 
is upstaging all of us. She's gone full <laughs> disco. She's got like glitter curtains. She's got a disco ball going. She's got her trophies all set up. Just I've got perfect. Fred. I've got Fred. Oh, oh a beautiful Fred. Fred statue. Oh. So Sarah, who wrote the quiz with me, gave me this for this is my my birthday. Uh, my, this is my birthday present this year. That's lovely. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So what we thought we would do is actually have a go at this quiz. Uh, and oh, the question for me is, is this Queen Pod versus Fan Club? Or are we just one group and we're going to try and answer these between us? By which I mean just let Jim answer all the questions. <laughs> we, we oh, yeah, have to... I might be able to answer them. I'll tell you. To try and so, do this I've together. Been put under the spotlight before. Oh, oh really? Oh, okay. Oh well, is that is that age, Jim? Is that what's going on? Just standing next <laughs> to speakers for so many years. <laughs> so how are we going to do this? Are we going to? Uh, are you going to put your hands up? You're going to go buzz. Are you? Who's going to? Are we going to buzz in? Yeah, we'll just wait for Jim to answer all the questions. <laughs> it's very straightforward. But you know, don't answer one. But, <laughs> but I will say this. Will. Oh, this is very pointed. We shouldn't okay. be allowed to Google, John. Oh, no, not at all. No Google. Oh, no phones, no Google. No well, why do you think I look so panicked? <laughs> like, oh, God, I'm about to get sacked from all this right. podcast. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think it should be Queen Pod versus Fun Club. All right, then. Yeah. I think so. Some arbitrary competition. Uh, let us see if, what we can do. So if... If one of us know the answer on Queen Pod, we shout Queen Pod. And if one of us know the answer on <laughs> Fan Club, we shout <laughs> and then answer it. How about that? Yeah, sounds good. Beautiful. All right, Kirsty, take it away. Right, so this I'm just going to name check Sarah Soye and James Tweets, uh, who wrote this with me back in 1995, 96. Amazing. Like Hi, Sarah. Hi, James. Hi. Um, okay. All right. Question one. What is the blatant mistake at the start of Greatest Flicks? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they are really Queen Pod. Queen Pod. It starts with the wrong track and it's different to the one on the Greatest Hits album. Well, no, it's, it's, it, I'll give you a clue. It's in that you remember okay. it kind of like meet the band and it has the kind of all the, their, you know, favorite drink, tea and all that stuff. Oh, God. This is back in, you yeah, know, when we had stuff. VHS. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, oh, no and there, there, is, there is a factual mistake in one of the band's kind of, you know, um, middle name and all that stuff. I'm trying not to get it wrong. Yeah, this is rapidly you asking questions that you are going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> Can't remember. Uh, no, okay. The blatant mistake is... Oh, go on. What you, was it? Was it what? Bell Rogers' middle name wrong. No, but it is to do with Roger. They they, they get his uh, date of birth wrong. Oh, uh, okay. Wrong. Did he? Yeah. That so was my sixth have... answer age. So. <laughs> Didn't uh, have much of a life when I was. That's half a point for us. No, no. That's no, no. No, no. All right, let's have another question. Right. Which two other Queen or Queen-related songs are heard on Machines' "Back to Humans" twelve-inch single? Thank you. Ooh. Going back and yes. over the battle. Yes! Oh, that was fast. Is that like a remixed version of Machines then? It's just the 12 inch version. Yeah. Oh, it's you on the 12 inch. Song. Got it. Right. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Right. So that's a point for fan club. Okay. You ready? Come on, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> From which opera 
is the music for the opening lines of It's a Hard Life taken. Bye, Bob. Tagliacci. Goodbye. Oh. I know it and I can't remember. Oh, well, I'll give it you anyway, because no one else yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> All I knew was Pagliacci, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's by oh, you knew Pagliacci. I knew Pagliacci. Leon... By Leon Cavello. There you go. Bastard, yeah. I couldn't oh. pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's 2-0 at the moment. Come on, Simon. <laughs> Come on, Simon. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll Simon give you an easier one. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I'll I'll do I'll do an easy palate cleanser one, okay. Um, oh, what happens to Brian's head in the Starfleet video? Bob explodes. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Jim Jim's I'm never gonna get any of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's on a roll now as well. Is, I wasn't uh, sure. Is, is <laughs> okay, here was another one. Uh, who, according to Roger First suggested, Another One Bites the Dust be released as a single. Bank Clo- uh, yeah. Fight the jo- yeah. Queen Pod, Michael <laughs> yeah, Jackson. Yeah, Queen Pod, us, yes. Yeah, yes, it was Michael Jackson. Jackson. John? <laughs> yes, John. It was indeed Michael Jackson, well done. Right, we're at Queen Fan Club 3, Queen Pod 1. Um, I'm just, I'm going through, I'm just going to, oh. <laughs> I mean, these, they're, they're so hard. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay. Which song title was featured on one of Freddie's birthday cakes? <laughs> featured on his birthday cake. Yeah, but it's and it's not a Queen song. It's a Queen-related song. Queen Pod. Go. I'm, I'm. This is a guess. Great Pretender. No, but it was same oh. sort of era. It was Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, I oh, think man. we can definitely have another no. question. Okay, these you get these ones. These are easy. Okay, so this is a, a one with this is whose nicknames are these? So I'm just going to keep. Oh, all right, the, okay. All right, so you, this is where Simon. Here we go. Simon knows all of this. All right, A. Shut up. <laughs> a. Miami. Jim yeah, Beach. yeah, Queen, Queen Pod. Pod. Jim, Jim Beach. Very good. B. Uncle Grumpy. Fan Club Jerry Stickles. Jerry Stickles. Oh. Oh. <laughs> D. Crystal. Fan Club Jerry Stickles. Taylor. I'm quick enough. <laughs> D. Trip. Oh, yeah, Queen Pod. Taylor. Oh, I think Trip. Jackie. Yeah, Jackie got in there. <laughs> Man, Jackie. Who was it? It's the sound guy. Yeah. From the house, yeah. sound guy, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. E. Jobby. Oh yeah, Queen Pod. Brian Zellis. Brian Zellis. Brian's guitar. Surely that one goes to Simon for goodness sake. Aki's <laughs> just railroading the whole thing all of a sudden. Well, oh, no, Simon. Names. Um, F. Phoebe. Yeah, that's Queen Pod. I mean, you all know all of these. <laughs> yeah, this one we know. To be um, fair. G. Tunbridge. Fan club. John Wells. Very good. Very good. All right, Kirsty. So we're tied. So <laughs> let's have... <laughs> we're, we're, t- we're tied at eight two to fan club. So yeah. One more question as a decider, as a tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, and let's see if we can. So this point is this question is now worth six points. <laughs> okay. Um... The whole thing's a sham. 
I'm trying to find a really... Come on, Simon! Oh, see. <laughs> For God's um, sake! I'm trying to find one that's not ridiculously hard. Find one that Simon knows the we answer do, We don't to. mind ridiculously hard. That's, that's, the, that's the No, point. that's fine. Find okay. the hardest one you can, Kirsty. This is, this is so wonderful. All right. How many, here we go. How many stitches did John Deacon need in his hand at Christmas 1977? Yeah. Queen Pod 6. <laughs> no. Queen Pod 9. No. Queen Pod 3. No. Maybe four. No. no. It was Oakland Coliseum. Can I get a point for that? <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a lot of stitches. It's a lot of stitches. Queen, 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 Queen Pod just to doing a Queen yeah. Pod. It's, it's so satisfying. So it's very, very close. Uh, the final score is uh, two points to Queen Pod. And uh, oh, it, yeah, you only just yeah. beat us there, I'm afraid, Jim and Jackie, with, with nine points. <laughs> nine, two. <laughs> <laughs> this is surely the greatest testament to the longest running Queen fan club. On yeah, the longest running fan club on the planet. Yes. Longest running fan club on the planet. Of course, it's the longest running Queen fan club on the planet. <laughs> I have not got the hang of hosting at all. Um, guys, thank you so, so much for joining us. You know, we could have spent the entire afternoon with you guys and not pleasure. even noticed. Go um, it's really lovely. And please let us know about. Uh, uh, about any updates on the book because we we're very 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 keen to see that and we're delighted yeah. that you've been doing it um, and thank you all so much for joining us my god really thank amazing. you for having us thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Thanks, Cheers. see you everyone bye uh, it's now time for john to do He's top ten. Five of you doing? Basically, you're doing Brian's bangers, aren't you, mate? Doing Brian's bangers. Um, Harold's hammers. <laughs> Brian is a is a tough. Yeah, it's a tough one because yeah. there's a lot of big, big hitters. Yeah. So I'll mm -hmm. rattle through ten to six, and then I'll uh, talk you through the top five. So number ten, I've got keep yourself alive. Yes. Cool. At number nine, I've got Father to Son. Yeah, God. Cool. At number eight, I've got 39. Oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. God, this at is number, hard. At number seven, I've got It's Late. Yes, mate. Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> at number six, I've got Tie Your Mother Down. Flipping out, yeah, of course. Which I think is one of the, one of the great all-out rock tracks. Yeah. Number five... Here we go. I've got the Prophet song. Oh, yes. Which is such a banger. Mm. 
to go. What about that? Yes, yes. mate. Yes. Huge. And number four, and this is going to be controversial, I think it's the great lost queen anthem, is The Hero. Oh! October 1980 Revisited. Wow. From the bonus uh, track on the re- on the remastered um, uh, Flash Gordon soundtrack, it just starts with that massive drums, boom, 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 and it's yeah. so short and so catchy and so big. <laughs> um, so I'll play a bit of that now. Yes, that's a great choice. That is that is the song that you need to hear whenever you're charging into battle. Yes, (laughs) and I that used to be the when I did Edinburgh in 2015. That was my walk-on music. Was it? Was um, uh, hero? How much did you want a flying bike to ride in on? (laughs) (laughs) And great fun fact about the hero: uh, it was co-written or arranged by Howard Blake who is a composer more famous for writing the Snowman soundtrack mm. and the hit Walking in the Air. Well, there you go. <laughs> that fun is a fact. fun fact. That's a good fun fact. Number three, I've gone for Who Wants to Live Forever. Yeah. Oh, really? yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's one of Brian's best guitar solos. So I'm going to play mm. oh, yeah. a solo from Who Wants to Live Forever. Okay. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. I love that. And you know, I loved it in the video when he plays this out and he plays the first couple of notes and then he turns the page on his music because he's sat ah. in an orchestra. Yeah. As if he's turning it. <laughs> such a lovely touch. Wow. Brilliant. At number two, more for John Deacon than for Brian, it's Save Me. <gasps> ah. Yes. Because that when John Deacon's bass line kicks in, he does these little runs. Oh mm. man, so I'm going to play just the bit at the start where John's bass kicks in. I absolutely love he that. He does a bit of that on Sail Away Sweet Sister as well. They're yeah. quite similar songs in a way. And um, yeah, lovely. But my number one, Brian's banger, is Brighton Rock. Hey! Amazing. Oh. Hey! So, 
We've covered Brian Rock in quite a lot of length, but I think it's... Brian's got huge songs and such a range of songs Mm. as well. Yes. There's some massive ones that didn't even make your top ten. I mean, I'm thinking of Fat Bottom Girls and things like that. Now I'm Mm. here, Hammer to Fall. That's a a tough one to make a top (laughs) ten. Very tough. Tear It Up. Yeah. Tear It Up. Oh, yeah. All Dead, All Dead. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We should say that anything from... Uh, after a kind of magic doesn't count because that was credit to Queen. Yes, yes, and I looked into like who wrote those, but I thought that's not that's not the that's not the game. No, no. that's not no. playing. I mean, board. Brian basically wrote "I Want It All," but it, totally it's, can't include yeah. it. Yeah, can't include it in this. That's not the. Wasn't game. it something Anita Dobson said? Yes, yes. you yes. say it all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. It is now time for for the last time this series. It's oh. Simon Says. Well, it's a little departure for you. Not my usual stuff, but um, seeing as we're talking about um, fans, this is a fan special. Um, this week I actually stumbled across um, a lovely interview that uh, 80s pop star Gary Newman gave. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's got an autobiography out, um, so he's promoting that. And he just tells this amazing story about how much of a Queen fan he is. Um, and it he was actually up in on the, the Magic Years documentary, doesn't he? I yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. He does, yeah. so I, I think it's sort of it's not a secret. Yeah. Um, but he's got two great stories. He said the the, the first one is in the eighties when he'd he'd only been sort of going, he'd been sort of successful for about a year, and he was in Japan, and he saw that Queen were playing in Tokyo while he was there, so he just bought a ticket and thought he'd go, um, and he was in the audience, and um, he didn't realise that actually people had heard of him. In Japan, so it caused a bit of a, a fuss because people recognised him. So he had to be rescued by the security staff, um, and of course he got taken backstage. And he met up with the band and he explained what happened. Um, so he watched the concert from from the wings, as it oh. were. And at the end, they invited him to join them for a meal. And the thing is, is Gary Newman says that he is a really fussy eater. He just likes very plain food. And they took him to an extremely exclusive and expensive sushi restaurant where you sit on the floor. And he just couldn't eat any of it. Uh, It just wasn't to his taste at all. But he was just happy to be there. Anyway, he says, after a while, Freddie Mercury came over and said, love, you're not eating. What's the matter? So I said, oh, don't worry about me. I'm just blown away to be here. Um, I'm such a massive Queen fan. He asked me what I like to eat. And I told him McDonald's. And not to worry, that I'd get one on the way home. Anyway, 50 minutes later, this limo turns up outside and the driver gets out with a McDonald's bag. Freddie has a quiet word with the manager, bungs him a few yen, and there I am, having McDonald's in a top-end Tokyo sushi restaurant with Queen. Um, He then goes on to say that he'd actually been to see them when he was 16 at the Rainbow theatre right, mm. right. Uh, where apparently they did a gig and they may or may not have played <laughs> modern times rock and roll um, but he um, he said that 
what he noticed that he would hang around he hung around outside the stage door he said and queen would always stop and talk to their fans yeah. a lot of bands would just rush into their limos and off they go but queen never did they'd invite people in they could sign stuff and they'd chat with their fans before they left and he said he learned a lot from that and that's how he treats his fans because of how queen treated him when he was a fan oh, that's um, so nice and he said the only thing he had was a five pound note so he got them to sign that um, but then had to spend it to get his train ticket home. Oh, my God. No, no. Yes. So a five-pound note signed by all four members of the band. Oh. And an hour later, he had to use it. Oh, <laughs> no. Poor guy. Those are great, great. And I'm impressed you read the whole Gary Newman autobiography, man. Uh, no, I read the clip that was uh, in the magazine that exactly. I saw. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's a ripping read. <laughs> Go buy it. Yeah, he strikes me as a lovely human being, Gary Newman. Yeah. And, a, and a good, really good musician. That is a great Simon Says. Thank you so much. Well done, Simon. You're welcome. Thanks, Simon. All right, it's time for the last fan letter of the season, guys. Oh, here it oh. is. Um, I will try and uh, get through it uh, with a plum. It is from John Wing. Here is how I came to hear Queen for the first time, even after all these many years. I still believe Queen are the greatest rock band ever. So do we, John. So do we. Uh, I guess I was a late bloomer when it came to music. In 1974, when my fellow classmates were into such bands as Deep Purple, yes, Slade, Roxy Music, while most of the girls were idolising the likes of the Bay City Rollers or the Osmonds, as for me, I wasn't really into anything, and I figured out that I should be. So, to keep in with the others, I decided to buy Sparks Propaganda and Led Zeppelin too. Why these in particular, I'm not sure. I think with Sparks, it was because of the single Something for the Girl with Everything that I'd heard a few times on the radio. I bought the Zeppelin album because their name was always being mentioned enthusiastically. Both very good records, especially the latter. A friend of mine at the time said he had come across this new band and insisted I should listen to them. Curious, I asked their name. He replied, Queen. I'd never heard of the group, and if truth be told, their name didn't really endear them to me. However, he was so insistent that I felt I had no alternative but to give them a try. I went to his house one evening and as I sat on his bed he gingerly placed the vinyl onto the turntable. At first I couldn't hear anything. I thought to myself that this was a mistake. Then I heard what sounded like wind rushing from speaker to speaker and a gradual increase in noise until it exploded full on like a battering ram pulverising through a barred door. It was loud, brash and deafening all enveloped in wailing screams. I had never heard anything like this before. The drums rained down upon me like a deluge of cascading boulders, and then the singer's commanding voice attacked my ears with the full force of a tsunami. I found myself being swept away to another realm, willingly drowning in its urgent, relentless rhythm. This was Queen catapulting ogre battle into my closed world. And I instantly became a fan. It was almost like a divine revelation that revelation that this music of theirs knocked me out of the mundanity of life, mundanity of life, mundanity of life into a hitherto new world of exciting and endless possibilities. Who were these musicians? Who was the lead singer, the guitarist, the drummer and the bass player? The very next weekend, I bought Queen 2. I played it and played it and played it. I loved every track from the instrumental of Procession segueing into Father to Son to the drum-led pounding of the last track on Side White, Loser in the End. And then the Mercury compositions on Side Black concluding with their first hit single, Seven Seas of Rye. I loved every moment of this album. The lush harmonies, the intricate guitaring, that incredible lead vocal and the slick production. All of it bowled me over and over. I really couldn't get enough. I had to have more. 
Just so you know, I've always wanted to write a book about Queen. Well, I have done, and the above is taken from it, called Queen, A Fan's Perspective. It's about my life running parallel with Queen's rise to conquering the world. Should you be interested, this can be downloaded from any Amazon site or bought as a paperback. For every copy sold, 10% goes to the Mercury Phoenix Trust, which is Um. why I have allowed you to plug your book on this podcast, (laughs) uh, Mr. Mr. John Wing. Also, you write beautifully. What a beautiful way to describe Mm. being introduced to Queen. What do you think, guys? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ogre Battle, that's a hell of a way in, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you guess that it was Ogre Battle that was coming? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I got it for my friend. On, he got a record player and was starting a collection of vinyls, so I got him Queen 2 for his birthday, and he put that side on first, and he's, he just sent me a text saying, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time for another fan question. What do you think, producer Giles? I think we should pay our respects to Dan Smith, who wrote in a lovely lovely question it's quite involved so i'll give you some context for it dan writes a night at the opera contains what i think is the best song to song transition on any queen album namely the one between the first and second tracks you get the spitting anger of death on two legs with its litany of furious high-handed and gratuitous insults all in your face crunchy guitars and heavy rock and then in barely half a second the album spins on its heel into the plinkety plunkety piano line of the genteel afternoon couldn't care less stroll and flannels of lazing on a sunday afternoon could so easily have been a lurch, but it's not. It's a pirouette. When I first heard that in my early 20s, I didn't even think you were allowed to do something that outrageous. It's sublime, and it's so queen. So my question to the panel is, what is your favourite song-to-song transition, studio or live album, if you can think of it? That's such a... a mate, it's not a lurch, it's a pirouette. That's so good. Mm. That's very good. Yeah. Right, go on then, Suze. <laughs> Um, well, it's also from A Night of the Opera, Prophet Song into Love of My Life. Ah, yeah. yes. Because Prophet Song, uh, sort of, we've had eight minutes of it, and at the end of Prophet Song, you're going, Where's this going? Where's this going? And then it goes into this um, Baroque influenced love song with a, a piano a piano backing, a very steady piano intro, and it's just like, it's so perfect, and it's perfect on that album as well Simon, what you got? Um, well, there are so many to choose from. There are. Uh, but I've gone for a live one, actually, um, because oh. it's it stuck in my head. I thought it's such a brilliant opening to a concert. And it's um, the little link that comes out of one vision into Tie Your Mother Down. Oh! What I love about it is that you come out of one vision and they're going into this and you're going, where is this going next? And then it kicks in. With what something I think is, which is, uh, we've all agreed, is one of the greatest rock riffs of all time. Mm. 
Oh, That's what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> well done, I just, I lo- Bravo. I love how by 1986 they had so many massive songs that they could do a two-hour gig and not let you off the hook for a second. Yes. It's just amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they're an outrage. Suze, is that just a convoluted way of changing key? <laughs> it is, actually. <laughs> they, they, they change key a few times. Right. And you go, oh, and then they do it again. You go, oh, and then you hear, dun, 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 dun. oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, John, what is your favourite Sieg? Well, I definitely agree with Suze that Prophet's Song to Love of My Life, I think, is probably the best of the ones that's intentional, as in the yeah. songs are moving into each other. Um, other shout outs for that go to uh, Fairy, uh, Father to Son to White Queen, is a good, oh, yeah. is a good one. Um, in terms of ones that just happen to be next to each other, I really like good old-fashioned lover boy to drowse. Mm. Mm. I really like how the um do 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 boom boom do, do. I really like that. I I find the the final change on innuendo from Bijou to Show Must Go On very, very emotional. Oh yeah. Because wow. it's the final chain it's the final uh transition between tracks yeah uh, on a queen album mm. um until made in heaven sure. obviously but it's that bijou is like almost unbearably beautiful yeah. and then there's that final kind of big chest out strut of show must go on yeah but my favorite uh transition between tracks as a performer I think is the cleverest one, and I don't know whether it was intentional. It's on Live Killers when the audience are chanting for Mustafa, uh. and I don't think it's a song they play. So Freddie does the a cappella intro to Mustafa, and then goes into the only song which would stop the audience going, "Hang on, why didn't you finish Mustafa?" Which is the piano intro to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Oh, <laughs> good shout! And. As a performer, you're thinking, nice, <laughs> nicely done. You've given them enough of what they wanted, and then you've given them what they wanted the most to stop you having to play the rest of a song you've probably yes. not played live before. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great shout. That's awesome. We've covered a lot of the best sort of the the the, the run from Ogre Battle, Fairy Fellas, Mastroke, Nevermore on Queen Two. We've done this season, and I think also the run on Sheer Heart Attack Side A, the um, Tenement Funster, Flick of the Wrist, Lily of the Valley. I think they all beautifully meld into almost one song, uh, which I love. But my choice uh, is Buckle Up uh, on the Miracle album. 
from the party into Khashoggi shit. Uh, and the reason for that is because I don't know anyone that massively loves the party. Is that fair to say? I, I, <laughs> John Robbins has left the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done this intentionally to upset John, but I have. I'm not a massive fan of the party, but I genuinely love Khashoggi shit. And I, lo- I love that riff. I love the feel of it. I love the preposterousness of the lyrics. I really enjoy it, and I remember for the very first time putting it on my little cassette recorder and pressing play and going, oh no, <laughs> like just a little bit of, oh, what is this? And then when Khashoggi's shit ca- uh, kicked in, I was like, oh great, okay, great, 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 yeah! <laughs> goodbye, 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 the party is all. Who said that my body was all over? That is the one that I'm voting for, um, uh, even though this is not a vote. <laughs> An eclectic mix. Great question, though. Yeah. It is a really good question. Great question. Uh, so now it is time for Suze, who I think has been given the toughest challenge. John got given a <laughs> tough challenge, uh, which, which, I, which I've labelled Freddy's Fantasies. Yeah. But maybe it should be Mercury's Melodies. Mercury's Melodies, yeah. yeah. But then we switch to surname. Freddy's, Freddy's Fandangos. Robin's He's done for the it. win. He's nailed it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> All right, Suze, how did you even do Freddy's Fandangos? How did I even do this? Well, first I went, ha-ha, rub my hands together. I got Freddy. What a great selection I get to choose from um, but then it turned out Freddie wrote about half of all Queen's yeah. <laughs> output so yeah it was a struggle but we got there okay. I used um, a uh, preference generator online and spent around an hour and a half on this like a big nerd okay so <laughs> but we got there and it meant that there was nothing overlooked so number 10 Bring back that Leroy Brown. Yes, mate! Sheer Heart Attack's doing really well on these It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Number nine, Death on Two Legs. Yeah, fair play. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Number eight, My Melancholy Blues. Of course. Oh, I'm surprised that's not higher. Number seven, The Fairy Fellas Master Stroke. Well, I've got, I mean, I've got to maybe <laughs> knock over a table or something. <laughs> oh, is that flip, not high enough for you? My Melancholy flip Blues and Fairy Fellas Masterstroke, not in the top five. <laughs> hey, man. I'm going oh, to smash this Mock the Week mug, which, I, I, <laughs> which I've actually wanted to do for two years. <laughs> It'll be quite an ending to season one of this podcast. <laughs> John smashed his mock the week mug. <laughs> we'll go viral. Uh, yeah, the atmosphere has turned rather sour. Number six. Number six. I- I've put Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Wow. Huge yeah. if true. Huge. <laughs> if big true. if true. Big if true. <laughs> Number five. Uh, in the lap of the gods. Which bit? Revisited or not? In the lap, in the, the lap of the gods. The first bit? Ooh. Yeah. Above Bohemian not, Rhapsody? Not revisited. Yeah, I've, yeah. Seriously? I'm a maverick. Somebody <laughs> call an ambulance. Why? Why have <laughs> you done that? Because John's dying. It's Kempner's house. <laughs> I can't believe John's put a hit out on me for this. <laughs> of all why, the things. Why, why have you done that, Suze? <laughs> why, why would you rate uh, In the Lap of the Gods above 
Mediocre comedian stabbed to death with shard of mock the week mug. <laughs> Why would I ra- rent it above uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? Um, oh, do you know what? Because uh, there's just that bit in In the Lap of the Gods where it goes, But what can I do? Which uh, for me is my favourite bit in all of Queen. Closely followed by when that guitar just goes into and it just goes really. Oh, it just goes so chill yeah. and relaxed. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, Killer Queen. Yes. Oh, yes. Or, or as you should enunciate it, Killer Queen. Uh, number three, My Fairy King. Freddie blasting into Queen's output with My Fairy King. My number two choice is The Millionaire Waltz. Wow. Which really? we have not talked about on here before, just because I think it's an absolute masterclass of musicianship, singing and songwriting. It's interesting you bring up The Millionaire's Waltz uh, mm-hmm. in the context of having Bohemian Rhapsody lower down, because I think that was his sort of Bohemian Rhapsody on a day at the races. That was It always had that yeah, feel definitely. to me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you rate it higher. Is it just more playful or that you yeah, haven't heard it as much? or? It's just oh god! It's just one of my favourite sing-alongs. Okay, yeah, yeah. I did, a, I did, a, I did a whole dance routine to it as well. <laughs> oh, now it comes out. Right. When was that? Yesterday. Uh, I was actually twenty-six. <laughs> so yesterday, sure. Why yeah. not yesterday? Sure. Um, yeah, did it you... had everything in it. It had ballet. Uh, I also got to a rock out, which is a horrible sight. And you did this so... in the privacy of your own home, not. I did do it in front of people. Right. My number one choice is March of the Black Queen. Hey, okay, yeah. Controversial list, I've got to say. I've, I feel like I've it? made a powerful enemy today. It's very <laughs> controversial. It's so very bold. <laughs> okay, yeah. So our yeah, number I'm pretty one, out there. Our number ones are Simon, another one bites the dust, correct? <laughs> uh, me, correct. 
with Roger Taylor Tenement Funster. Not correct. It's, it's, it's either a kind of magic or Radio Gaga. Uh, John uh, was Brighton Rock, right? For yeah, Brian May. Yeah, also, correct. not correct. It's Amateur That's good. Uh, and I would have Tenement Funster over Radio Gaga. <laughs> All right, what about a kind of magic? Yeah. I think a kind of magic is is close to being a perfect song. Mm. Mm. Um, but I I I'm not a huge Radio Gaga apologist, I have to say. Oh. But we will get to that. Okay, it's interesting. Due time. <laughs> okay, and then Sue's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, March of the Black Queen is a Titanic track. And you're yeah. right, it is where Fred kind of imprints himself upon the planet, where he kind of just goes, yes, this is what I'm capable of. Well, we had my fairy king, and then in the next album he went, see what I did there, what do you think of this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And I like it enough to make it number one. That's what I think of that. I love it. Well, <laughs> I love play. it. For our last fan question, we've been sent in a, uh, a, a question by one John Robbins, at Nomadic oh. Reverie, uh, and he sent it to us on the last podcast <laughs> during the last recording. Um, and uh, he said, if you had to be one person in the Queen world, who would you pick to be? Great yeah, question, if you can't, John. If you can't be a member of the band. Yeah, yeah not a member of yeah. the band. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, go on, with, the, with What I like about this question is you sort of, you want to... It's a bit like my dream, which is I don't want to be Sherlock Holmes. I want to be Dr. Watson <laughs> because I want access to all the adventures without necessarily any of the stress of having to or responsibility of solving the crimes or being clever. Um, so I was thinking, like, who would you want to be around Queen that meant you could kind of experience all of Queen's career but maybe without having to do too much hard work. <laughs> My answer to this is kind of a bit of a cheat. Okay. Because it... Well, it's not a cheat. It ticks a lot of my boxes. I... Do you want to go... Guys, want to go first? <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. Let's build up to you, John. It's your question. Well, it's not... A, I'm do. not sure my, whether my answer's good enough, but maybe maybe you go first, okay, Ro. Who would right. you be? Okay, well, I spent uh, a long and enjoyable time wondering about being Mary Austin. Uh, yeah, because you could live in Freddie's house. Yeah, you get so much free stuff. Uh, no, but I think because just because. Um, um, sorry, you get loads of stuff. No, it was. It, I think. I think it's fair to say that in, in uh, she is the person that Freddie loved most uh, in his life in so many ways. In, like the deep. This seems to be the deepest connection. Uh, to any human that Freddie had and I think to have had that kind of connection with him would have been lovely and I think the band also respect that very much um, and it would have been an amazing perspective to have a look at all of that from and also I would have had sex with Freddie which would have been great she's <laughs> um, your dream yeah 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 uh, uh, and uh, but having 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 enjoyed that I thought a better answer John's question and uh, the uh, answer to John's question uh, was Jim Beach because I am a producer by trade and he is one of those epic Kevin Feige level super producers right he is amazing um, and uh, yeah he he is front and center for all of the best queen activity 
his relationship with the band is incredible, often hilarious. Uh, things like him getting banned from, um, uh, was it live in Montreal, where you know he was trying to film two nights in a row and they didn't want him to do it and he couldn't even get into the stadium the second night because they were so angry with him. All <laughs> that kind of stuff I love. But also just how he operates with Queen. And I, I, I do learn a lot from just kind of, you know, there are, there are a few people like Jeffrey Perkins was an amazing um, producer at the Beeb uh, during sort of, you know, the, the big comedy years there. And um, and Jim Beach in the world of music is certainly my hero. So, yeah. Good answer. Ooh. Go on, Simon. What you got? No, I, th- I think I think Jim Beach is, is a really good shout because there are very, very few people who have been involved in Queen right across the whole spectrum um, as he has. But I think... Um, I'm not sure he would fit into the category of of John's stipulation that it's someone who then wouldn't have any of the stress. <laughs> I think that he's probably had to put up with more than his fair share over the years. Um, but it's a very very good shout. He is an he is an incredible person. Um, but someone I would like to have, have been just purely from a professional point of view is probably someone like David Mallet, for example, just so right. I could have directed and produced some of their most iconic videos. I think working with them on a video, I would love to have done that. Yeah. So remind that's, that's remind us which your favourite videos of his are. Well, I think working. I mean, the Radio Gaga advert yeah. must have been such great fun yeah. because not only did you, you then create this this sort of moment that got replicated in every subsequent live gig that they've ever done, yeah. um, mm. but just having seen the rushes of them in that ridiculous polystyrene car, just <laughs> looks looking so like they had such a laugh, yeah. and, and then. The um, I want to break free video, which also just and I've of course. Um, producer Giles and I actually did a podcast, uh, video podcast series, uh, limited run called Freddy's Friends. Oh, sorry, Finding about? Freddy. It was called. There was a series of little videos that are on the Freddie Mercury YouTube site. Where oh, really? We interviewed some oh, really? some of Freddie's closest sort of uh, friends and collaborators, and one of them was David Mallet, oh. and he talked oh, about working with Freddie on the great pretender video and he said his most abiding memory of it is he said they just laughed from the minute they turned Mm. up to the minute they left it was Mm -hmm. such a hoot um and i know that freddie would often turn up at the edit and bring a crate of champagne Uh, (laughs) i think it was rudy dollarsal who said that they would spend all night editing with freddie getting steadily pissed (laughs) and the next morning they'd have to go in and basically unpick everything they'd done overnight (laughs) because it just got more outrageous and ridiculous um, how much how much fun would that have been? Oh, so that's yeah. that's one of them I would like to have been. Yeah, yeah, that's a great answer. I love it. Fantastic, Suze. <laughs> okay, so I may have misunderstood the rules of this somewhat okay. because <laughs> what I decided I'd like to be is um, a, a, a Roger Taylor's shower curtain. <laughs> <laughs> As much as I would like to get covered in Roger Taylor's piss, apparently. Um, Why are you pissing on a shower curtain? I don't know. Isn't that what men do? No! <laughs> Toilets are for women. Men use urinals and showers. Okay. <laughs> I have been single since 2013. Okay. Now um, we're starting to understand why. <laughs> I, I'm just off for a shower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, uh, 
Right. What I I pictured, um, I I would be working in Trident as a intern, just making tea for this cool band Queen. Um, are they like the cut of my jib? Why don't you travel around with us <laughs> <laughs> just hang out with us on tour and stuff? Hey, Suze, um, <laughs> we've got a warm up before the big gig. Can you give us a C major on the keyboard, please? Yeah, here you go, guys. And then they're like, la, la, la. Thank, thanks, Suze. And I just go have a good show, guys. And afterwards, I'm there waiting with their towels and stuff. And um, bottled water. They never have to go like, oh, I'm thirsty because I've always got bottled water. So anyway, that's what I thought the rules of this bit. So you're sort of like a that's PA brilliant. come groupie. <laughs> yeah, but it's all very wholesome. Yeah. There's no, I, I, like don't get, I don't get pissed on at all. I feel um, like... <laughs> I feel like... I, that's what I thought the rules were. Right. I was like, you're I got this, you're I got in this. charge of like Freddie's kimonos... Yeah, Rogers mate. Beers. I go, mate, mate. They're all there, and he's like, "Oh, cheers." Uh, do you like the way? Also, like, I'm. It's only saying this now that I've realised that the rules could have been anything. Like, I could have um, gone on stage and sung with them and stuff. Yeah, and that's what I was like, going to say. Don't worry, guys. The bottled water situation is sorted. Are you the one? That <laughs> anyway, so that's the beers on, on on Freddie's piano. Yeah, just and make I know sure exactly. Half-filled and... and I go, I go, and we're like. Oh, the gig's in Munich. Hey, mate, that one on the end? That's a German beer. And he's like, <laughs> and then like, And then Freddie's like, okay, open the doors. And they go in. I, say, I assume it's a lot like the Edinburgh Fringe. And they're like, okay, well, let them in. Oh and then God. they go off stage. Oh. Uh, and, uh, I feel like you had this answer long before John ever asked. <laughs> <laughs> they're, sound, like, they're sound checking and they look over at me. They're like, huh? And I go, yeah. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So what I love is that at that point where you played the C major on the piano, they could have gone, Wow, you're a great piano player. You should play with <laughs> no, us tonight. Funny. No. No. No, you're just no. straight back to the wings holding a bottle of water. I got bottle of waters and all the different beers and towels. Yeah. And no kiss. Well done, Suze, that's phenomenal. John, do you feel better about your answer now? I, I do. Yeah. So my answer, <laughs> funnily enough, firstly, it's someone who actually exists. <laughs> I'm real. Um, <laughs> my my choice is Mick Rock. Oh, uh, So I would like to have had uh, access to the band in the way Mick Rock did. I'd like to have experimented with their creative ideas for album cover art and and photographs of them. However, I would also like to have met Lou Reed and David Bowie and Blondie and any of the... If you follow Mick Rock on Instagram, he he really took a lot of great photos of a lot of great musicians. Right. But I'm guessing that also Mick Rock, say he's in New York taking a photo of Talking Heads and Queen are playing... He just needs to make a call. Yeah. He's got a backstage pass. Yeah. So he yeah. could sort of dip into their world. He'd also be on sort of first name terms and probably hang out with them socially. Yes. But it wouldn't be his like entire life. Yeah. Um also he'd he'd be really good friends with Lou Reed. It's like yeah. I would have liked. It's like there was a time I used to work at Blockbusters and I used to be able to like just like take a few videos home for free. It's like that kind of access to the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, <laughs> see Queen 2. 
Yeah, yeah. I took that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See Transformer, I took that. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, you yeah. might have seen it on a garage door. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'd, I'd have sued them for copyright. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a brilliant fan question from John Robbins. I love it. Excellent. Well done. Well done. Yeah, well, Fantastic. Yeah. All right, so now we're coming to the end of the season. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but what we have got is the final tally from everyone who sent in their top 10 favourite Queen album covers. We're talking about the illustrative quality of the covers, not the content, just the we're just judging the book by its cover. Um, <laughs> yes, well, it's a CD. So, Producer Giles, have you done like some sort of mega algorithm super sum? Yes. How did it work? <laughs> it was massive. It yes. was some of the most complex maths. NASA couldn't even have helped me. How many um, people sent things in? More than 60. Wow. We got, we got, yeah, we got more oh, than Oh, I thought you were going to say six more than six. No, no, no. We got, we got a lot <laughs> of top tens. It was oh, very, wow. very cool. Oh, well Some, done, all of you. Yeah, really. Thank and you so much, you, everyone. Have you given us more weighting? Do we have like 50% value? That is exactly what happened. I, oh, yeah. I, I totaled the points for all album covers across all 60 uh, entrants, divided that number by the number of, of entrants to get a, a single total ta- fan tally. And then mm-hmm. added yours to theirs, and that's that's fifty percent each. It's actually, it's actually a lot simpler than I made out. Yeah, you lost <laughs> me. You lost me an ad. Um, I, uh... <laughs> I don't feel like the maths is the important bit of this. Bit. No, no. What is the top ten? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. I'm so excited. I I think you guys could probably guess the top three. So let's yes. let's talk about that when we get there. But okay. what's interesting is the number of people for whom say a kind of magic is either their number one cover or their number ten cover or doesn't feature. There's a lot of it, it, it changed up. It's very exciting. It's a very okay. exciting chart, this. <laughs> I'm going to include n- number 11 in this final chart. Day at, uh, Day at the Races only just missed out on the top 10. Okay. Wow. And number 10 is The Works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Where, where did we? That. <laughs> I'm going to cut these pauses out. Oh, well, The Works came in at seventh equal. Oh, yeah. Okay. Next, to, next to Made in Heaven uh, for you guys and Jazz and Sheer Heart Attack. Oh, Just a little right. reminder, Sheer Heart Attack came in at number seven because one person voted for it as their number <laughs> so one. I it was the best one. <laughs> Jazz is at number nine. People like that. People like that That design. Yeah. Um, okay. Made in Heaven came in at number eight. Okay. You can see why. It's a lovely nostalgic cover. Yeah. At number seven, Sheer Heart Attack. Oh! oh. You'd be so surprised how many people. Well, it's kind of it's kind of similar to Suze's voting in so far as it was either not on people's top ten at all, or it was number one or number two. <laughs> okay, people love that cover if they love it. Uh, yeah, a kind of magic was at number six. I love them cartoons. Yeah, uh, and the miracle at number five. Okay. And the miracle again was a little bit divisive. A lot of people yeah. writing and saying, "Oh, it's so the symbolism of what's happening on the cover," and a lot of other people writing and saying. It's scary. The eyes are scary. <laughs> so yeah, that's what split the vote on that one, I think. Now the top four, I'm sure you can guess these. Number four, A Night at the Opera. Yeah. Ah, Number good. three, Innuendo. Oh. Ah. Number two, Queen Two. Yeah. Very good. And the clear winner by by a, a country mile, News yeah. of the World. Yeah. Number one, oh, easy. 
everyone, I think so many people maybe grew up with that image being just very iconic. Mm -hmm. And I remember it on my dad's vinyl collection being a very standout image for me. Yeah. News of the world is the world's favourite number one uh, 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 Queen album cover. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And it is great to see that we're all on the same page with that one. How lovely. Amazing. Um, Well, that that really does bring us to, to one heck of an ending. Uh, on this show, uh, on this series, and it's been an incredible season. I've really enjoyed doing this with you guys. So yeah, we should do more of these top tens uh, when we come back in the new year, don't you think? Definitely. Have, I, have we had any suggestions for? Because we've had a few, haven't we? John's come up with more than we've had. We've had some great suggestions. Actually, a lot of the a lot of the fan suggestions have mirrored things that you guys have been chatting about already. Okay. I'd like to propose three for you to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> top ten videos. Let's stick mm. with it. Let's stick with the visual theme for a, an audio-based medium. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> top ten, top ten intros. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Top ten live performances yeah. of songs, not whole mm-hmm. gigs. What do you think? That's, I wow. really like top ten live, especially. Yeah, that's really cool. That is very cool. I feel like video is sort of the big one. Like that was a big part of what they did uh, and they were innovators in that area and um it feels like we haven't really earned the right to do other top tens until we've done top 10 videos i don't know that's that's all where i am on it but uh, yeah i, th- I think videos is the logical next step because oh. everyone had like every queen fan had that double uh, vhs box set with, yes with and like, i watched that to death yeah great was yeah. it greatest Loved flicks? It. yeah yeah greatest flicks, yeah Loved Are it. we including the uh, the sort of the competition they had for videos for the Made in Heaven singles? Oh, well, yes, it, it can include it. It could be included, can't it? Um, yeah, because they were the they did become the official videos. Yeah, yeah, I'm in for sure. I think I think that's a good thing. I think yeah, because it obviously uh, Greatest Flicks didn't include. I think it included the miracle, right? It came out after the miracle, but it didn't include innuendo, or am I missing? That's right. So the innuendo yeah. videos weren't on greatest flicks. Yeah, they were amazing videos. Um, they well, they're some of the big hitters. Yeah, yeah. I'm going slightly yeah. mad. And innuendo itself. Well, how about yeah. then all videos up to and including Made in Heaven? Because there was a sure. Winter's Tale as well, which is a. Uh, oh yeah. Video. So, yeah, yeah. Let's include all those. Yeah, brilliant. Great. Exciting. All right, awesome. episode three of season two will be the greatest <laughs> videos Queen ever made. So start tweeting us now, and Giles will have to remember all of that information for ages. <laughs> I think start emailing us now. So we yeah, we have it on record. Keep, keep oh yeah, yeah, on. we'll lose track yeah. of its tweet. Yeah, do email us, um, uh, uh, QueenPod at thequeenpodcast.com uh, with your uh, favourite Queen videos and maybe we'll be able to incorporate that all into one rather than having to wait we will actually have your we'll factor yours into that very episode so it'll all be mm. done in one be amazing well that brings us to the end of season one of the Queen Pod oh. guys what a journey oh. we've done Queen, Queen 2 and Sheer Heart Attack and we've talked for a grand total of how many hours, producer Giles? 24. 24, <laughs> 24 hours. hours. My God, accurate. 24 hours and zero minutes and zero seconds. That is amazing. 
thank you, producer Giles, for that. Um, it definitely hasn't been 24 hours. Um, uh, we are obviously um, really keen to keep doing this. Uh, we've loved the response from you guys. Love to be back next year because it is the 50th anniversary of Queen and it would mean that we were doing Night at the Opera, Day at the Races and News of the World, which are three mega albums, right, guys? I mean, imagine... Mm -hmm. My God, when's the 50th anniversary proper? Is it February, Simon? Is it sort of round about then that it's called March or something? I did write it down, but... Yeah, um, it's it's based on when John joined. It John is, Deacon isn't joined. it? Yeah. That, that's, that's where officially they became Queen. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, even yeah. though they played as Queen before that. But yeah. mm-hmm. when John joins, that's the Queen we know and love. Amazing. Um, and we, we may can neither confirm nor deny, but have a couple of... Uh, bonus podcasts as well we'll try yes. we'll we are try. trying yes please yeah between now and then we'd, we'll try and drop a few surprises if we can uh which would be great um so between now and then you dear listener your job is to go hang on how's this suddenly finished we want more and then tell everyone that you want more of this so tell all your mm. friends to listen to the uh albums that um uh sorry listen to all the pods that we've done so far uh please comment please give us the rating please give us that lovely review this all makes a big difference to what we're trying to achieve here which is produce a companion piece to queen's music for you that's that's what we and also do. the 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 more you the the more five star ratings and the more shares you give the more likely other queen fans are to find this exactly. and that's yeah. um that's what's really important to get it in the chart so that people see it when they're browsing for stuff absolutely yeah mm. uh we've got a facebook page now you can have a look at that we're gonna we've got stuff like uh, indie solos done the queen de la queen spotify playlist for for you on there and at splat eric has got the queen pod playlist where he's just put on every track that we've played in this season so you can have a look at that as well uh yeah get get us your top 10 queen video lists uh, please send us more fan questions. We love them. We absolutely love them. Um, and above all, yeah, do do spread the word. Um, and uh, in the meantime, till we all meet again and see you again, uh, it is a big thank you from uh, thank you for, and goodbye from Suze Kempner. Goodbye, thank you. Best job I've ever had. <laughs> oh, oh. Suze, uh, Mr. Simon Lupton. Ah, oh, goodbye, thank you. <laughs> and John Robbins. Bye, everyone. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me, Ro. S- let's see you again soon. Cue the anthem. <laughs> <laughs> This has been The Queen Pod, a Seven Seas Films production, edited and produced by me, Fergus March. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and stay in touch by emailing queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. I'm just kicking myself. I thought of someone who I should have wanted to be to John's question. Who is the one person in the Queen world? Who would you pick to be? Yeah. Should have gone with Edwin Shirley, shouldn't I? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
from Edward Shirley Trucking. Shirley Trucking, yeah. <laughs> so, so that you could make sure you included the fact that you'd worked with Queen on your website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and I could be there, like, guiding the trucks. You would. That's exactly what like, you would have been. Back a bit, back a bit. And I'd be like, whoa. I could go, whoa, 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 like that. You would you go, then just sort of bang the back? Just, just yeah. Just say, yeah, yeah, all good. A big yeah. thumbs up and then yeah. hand you a bottle of water. You could, oh, you could thank have waved you the much. forklifts in and gone, <laughs> yeah. the pallets yeah. are ready, the pallets are ready. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Hey, lads, the pallets are ready. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great future. 